what pushed people over the edge. And what pushed people over the edge was COVID-19. We're harmless. We're just people. We're not animals. And sometimes passion sort of overtake uh, being cognizant of the fact that this is a global pandemic. With large protests now for several days across the country, it's hard not to watch and imagine how the coronavirus could spread within these groups of people but also how the pandemic, the shutdown, and the economic fallout played into what's happening right now. Thanks for joining us for the ABC 10 News Coronavirus Impact Podcast. I'm Matt Boone, in for Ben Higgins. Coming up later in the podcast, we'll speak to a sociologist and a doctor about the cross-section between COVID-19 and the demonstrations, trying to answer, why is this all happening now? But first, some of today's headlines. For the first time in two months, San Diegans will be allowed to lay down a towel or a beach chair and take in some sun at the beach. While the beaches had been opened weeks ago for walking, running, and surfing, starting Tuesday, the county is allowing for passive beach activities on the sand as well. Though there are still some caveats, groups must be in the same household, so no beach days with a group of friends quite yet. And any group activities such as football or volleyball are still prohibited Parking lots and piers remain closed now as well. Amid all of this, in the city of San Diego, a surprise announcement from the mayor and SDPD, saying the police department will no longer use the carotid restraint, also sometimes referred to as the sleeper hold. The carotid restraint is when an officer uses an arm to put pressure on the side of a person's neck. The ban is effective immediately. 10 News asked Sheriff Bill Gore if the San Diego Sheriff's Department would stop using the carotid restraint, too. I want to give all my my deputies as many options, less lethal options, as I possibly can. And I'm reluctant to take uh, an option like that away, because when it's applied properly, it's, it's probably one of the most effective tools we can use out there. The Racial Justice Coalition had been fighting for this ban since 2007. The county of San Diego updated their coronavirus numbers this afternoon. In the last 24 hours, there were 120 new cases. That brings our total to 7,674. Seven more deaths were reported in the same time period, bringing that total to 276. What you're listening to here is audio from a protest Monday night in Balboa Park. You can't see it, but it was a group of more than 100 people lying on the ground side by side, arms behind their backs, chanting the words George Floyd could be heard saying as he was detained by a police officer in Minnesota, the officer's knee on his neck for nine minutes. I'd been following the group as they peacefully marched from police headquarters along the city streets and into the park. Almost everyone was wearing a mask or face covering of some sort, bandanas, homemade masks. I even saw someone wearing a bright pink gas mask. Even with that, sometimes it was easy to forget we were marching in this large group during a global pandemic, with a highly contagious virus still killing hundreds of people a day across the country, when the orders from the local health department still require keeping six feet of distance and certainly not allowing for a gathering of this size. But enforcement of public health orders had not been the priority of police though they technically could give tickets. Nor has it been a focus of many of the protesters themselves. The ones I spoke to pointed to the fact that peacefully protesting is a constitutional right, 
And that's what they were there to do. They're giving it all a bad narrative when we're just trying to be simply peaceful. As you can see, there's a lot of people that are upset what's going on. And I can't speak for everybody that's looting and doing all the, uh, the bad things that they want to portray us as. But we are out here trying to be peaceful and trying to protest that we're here for a reason and we want things to stop and we want things to change and become better for everybody. They told me they wanted to see real change in police departments and an end to racial profiling by police. COVID-19 was, of course, in the background, but not a deterrence. The way I've been thinking about this whole thing is why now? That's Sid Martinez, an associate professor of sociology at the University of San Diego and author of the book, The Neighborhood Has Its Own Rules, Latinos and African-Americans in South Los Angeles. Statistically speaking, he says the number of people killed by police in the United States has remained fairly steady. And usually the number hovers at around a little over a thousand. It doesn't change. And right now, the preliminary data suggests that the number of police-involved shootings hasn't changed. There hasn't been a spike in police-involved killings. The issue of police brutality against people of color has been the cause of protests and thrust into the national spotlight for years, but not at this level, at least not for a while. He breaks it down like this. And there's three factors, I would argue, that are at play. Number one, um, America is, is a powder keg. It has been for some time. But we had three high-profile uh, killings of African-Americans, two which directly involved the police, right? The, uh, George Floyd in Minneapolis, who was already apprehended face down. And then we had Breonna Taylor in Kentucky, who was asleep in her home. These are people who were not resisting arrests, uh, and they were killed by the police. And then you have the uh, Mohammed Aubrey case in Georgia. So there's three instances that's, that are now in, in the national narrative. But he argues that wasn't enough. What pushed people over the edge was COVID-19. Particularly the job losses in working class communities. Probably affected them more uh, socioeconomically. Many of them are, on the, uh, are unemployed now. They can't pay their rent. They can't put food on the table. And his third reason? There is no police accountability, right? Uh, this officer, Officer Chauvin, is the first officer in the history of Minnesota to be charged with the killing of a black man. And I think when you add all three of those factors together, that was a perfect formula that pushed people over the edge. As he thought about it more, he said there's also a fourth factor. While America remains sharply divided, he says the racial makeup of the protesters and the locations in which they are protesting are different than past movements. The other thing that's different about it is that we're seeing a multiracial mobilization of people to the streets. Now there are more white people and some Latino people. And I would say that COVID-19 also had an effect on other multiracial groups that are, that are out in the streets too. This is not just African-Americans, even though they're the ones that are suffering disproportionately and they're organizing more. We have to grant them agency for what they've done. But we're starting to see the emergence of a multiracial movement against police oppression. And I think this is what makes this particular event unique and, and historical. There's been nothing like this in this country. This is from Saturday afternoon in La Mesa. Our cameras were rolling after police started using tear gas to disperse the crowd. If the coronavirus helped create the conditions for such protests, the sad irony is that the protests could also create conditions for community spread of the disease. The coughing and the close contacts of the protesters worrisome to doctors like David Pride. That's concerning because you know, there are the asymptomatic people in these crowds spreading the virus to a lot of people who are vulnerable with it. Dr. Pride is an infectious disease specialist at UCSD Health. 
He says he understands the inherent dilemma facing protesters right now. So, yes, you could protest safely, um, but to some extent that, that might defeat some of the purpose of, of the protest in itself because you can't have as many people there. From what he's seen so far, he predicts infection related to the demonstrations is likely. We're concerned that there could be a surge in COVID-19 cases after some of the most recent events. That surge could last as long as the protests continue. This disease is not going anywhere. It's going to be with us until there's a proper vaccination. So what kind of statement does it make to attend a protest in these conditions? How can the risks and benefits even be weighed? And what can protesting in spite of a virus reveal about our society? Those are hard questions to answer. And as Professor Martinez says, the issues caused by the pandemic, the government response, the curfews, the police presence, America's history of racism, the lines between all of those have been blurred. Black Lives Matter is a, is a name for something. There's, it's not just the group Black Lives Matter, but Black Lives Matter is a, is a hashtag for a confluence of all sorts of different groups. And I think that movement is growing. And I think now as non-Blacks uh, are also affected by COVID-19 and they're feeling sort of abandoned by the government, that they're on their own, they are also starting to see inequality and in how race plays itself out. It's created kind of more of an awareness, I would say. But awareness does not equal acceptance, nor does it mean that things won't get messier still. Even as the state of Minnesota files a human rights complaint against the Minneapolis Police Department, or as the officer charged with third-degree murder of George Floyd awaits his day in court, the people will continue to go toe-to-toe with officers armored with riot gear. Professor Martinez says he believes real change can come from protest. He's seen it himself. But he frames it as a test for all parties involved. In this case, one with a very complicated set of circumstances. And the more that the protesters who are protesting peacefully, which the vast majority of them are, the more the the potential is for for use of force to be used on them. So it's definitely a positive thing, but if it's not viewed the right way by local officials, by state officials, by law enforcement, it could be something that uh, sparks more violence in the streets. Thanks for joining us on the ABC 10 News Coronavirus Impact Podcast. For constant updates on the coronavirus pandemic and protests around San Diego, visit our website, 10news.com.